Let's pray this morning as we get into the word and invite the presence of God just to continue with us today. But let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. And Lord, we prepare our hearts for the word today. God, that it would be a, a light and a lamp unto our feet and our path, Lord, that you would just uh, illuminate, Lord, what, what your word says into our hearts. God, that we'd be a faithful people because you have first been faithful to us. How faithful you've been. Lord, that when we fall short of the glorious standard of God, you sent your son to make up that difference, to reconcile us. Lord, and, and if we could just get an inspiration today through the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would just speak to each one of us, God, that it would be so moved in our hearts, Lord, what it is that you have truly done for us, that we would never be the same again. And somebody said, Amen, 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 Amen. Tonight, uh, this, this morning, we're going to continue with our series on Jesus' Christmas list. Uh, we're talking about faithfulness uh, this morning. Uh, but really, what is it that Jesus wants for Christmas? Uh, have you ever had trouble finding someone the perfect gift? Anybody? Maybe you just this week. I've had trouble finding someone that perfect gift. Uh, or what do you buy that person uh, that has everything? Uh, you know, it's kind of like, what do they need? I don't know. Anybody have like something like that in your family? I just I have no idea what to get this person because they've got it all. Um, and maybe you're that person. I don't know. But uh, you're like, no, I'm not for sure that person. You can give me anything. Uh, what do you give the person who has everything? We normally run through the list. We think things like um, or who is she or who is he? What do they like to do? What do they not like to do? Uh, and I was thinking about that idea that. What, what, is, what do you give a person who has everything? And then it dawns on me. What do you give the person, God, what do you give the God of the world from the world? What, what in this world could I give the God of the world? I mean, what? he has everything, right? He, he owns everything. He made everything. And what in the world could I give him this Christmas? And so what does Jesus really want? From you and I this Christmas, what measly gift could we possibly give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? What does Jesus want for Christmas? Well, I started going through the list. You ready? Let's say, who is he? All right. Well, uh, as a man, he's the son of God, but he's also God. So, OK, uh, he's a father of all creation. He's the God of all nations. He's the greatest king. He's holy. He's righteous. He's strong. He's wise. He's loving. He's kind. And just. Okay, that's who he is, all right? What, what doesn't he like? Well, you go through the list. Well, he doesn't like hell or death or the devil or sin. I don't want to get him any of that. Uh, he doesn't like selfishness, pride, lust, hate, immorality, idolatry, injustice, lying, cheating, stealing, gossip, slander. Okay, you get the picture. But what does he like to do? Okay, well, let's think about that list. He likes to create things. He likes to triumph, free the oppressed, heal the sick, raise the dead. Die for others. Make people right with God. You know, all that save the world kind of stuff. He likes that. All right. Well, I can't do any of that. So let's move on. And I go all the way back to the garden. I look and I say, well, he really all he ever wanted to do from the very beginning is hang out with people. So by the end of the service today, hopefully you and I will decide to give God the greatest gift to hanging out with him. Amen. Amen. Look in your Bibles with me in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And if you're there, somebody say amen. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Let me give you the, the background to this this morning. We've been kind of taking out this, this passage and dissecting it. 
uh, over the course of the last few weeks. So Moses is helping the Israelites. Uh, He's giving a hint to what God really wants from them. And he's got this new generation of Israelites. They're about to take the promised land. And they've seen this generation had a grandparents and parents who saw God do this awesome stuff and bring them out of Egypt and save them. And they're about to receive the promise. And Moses is wanting to make sure he gives them the law again. He tells them all the Ten Commandments again. He gives them all the uh, all the lists of Deuteronomy and Numbers again. And he reminds them of this great commission uh, to, to reach the nations. But with it all, he's really trying to get Israel to understand God's true desire of who he wanted them to be and what he really wanted them to do. I'm going to read a few verses here in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 from the New Living. Okay, and here we go. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires not only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all of your heart and soul. Verse 13, And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Look, the highest heavens and earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the object of his love. And he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations as evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. Don't you want to say that to somebody sometime? Uh, Just stop being stubborn. It's in the Bible. So there you go. I quote in Scripture. But look at verse 20. He says, You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Turn to your neighbor and say, Cling to the Lord. Oh, that was weak. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, cling to the Lord. Okay, there we go. Merry Christmas. Okay. What is Moses telling? He's, uh, Moses told Israel that God, who is awesome and mighty, who gave them undeserved favor, what he really desired, what he really desired is that they would just serve him with all of their being. Just to trust him in their hearts. And I love that word. And cling to him in the new living. Cling to him. Your Bible might say hold fast, but repeatedly Israel was called to cling to the Lord. And so we're going to open up a, a gift today for Jesus as we've done the last few weeks. And I've got a gift in here, a very special gift. But I need uh, a couple, a couple uh, who is just madly in love. And I'm looking at two people who've been married for an awfully long time today and are some of our best leaders in most faithful people in our church. Can I get Brother Ron and Miss Doris up here today? Somebody give them a hand. I didn't ask them. But there's this thing about making eye contact with the pastor when you're on the stage. So, you know, I'm going to get Pastor John to help me here. I promise I love you. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to get you guys just to stand right here together for me. And, and what is the thing that we can give God most this Christmas? You just guys get real close like you love each other. How many, how many years have you guys been married? 48. 48. 40, which one is it? Almost 49. Almost 49 years. Better ask Miss Doris. All right. Almost 49 years. Amen. And uh, we have a gift today to illustrate who Jesus is and what we want to... You guys just close your eyes there for a second. You can't see this gift. Okay. Nobody see. So we are called to cling to Jesus. And I do love you. You know that, right? Okay. I do love you. Pastor John's going to help me. But um, we're going to talk about clinging to Jesus just for a minute here. And we love you so very much. Somebody just say, we love you, Brother, Brother Ron and Miss Doris. And I really didn't ask him about this. No. <laughs> just go, go up one more time right, right at the top. There we go. This is cling wrap, Okay. 
And, and you guys have been married faithfully. That's good. Thank you, sir. <laughs> we, do, we do love you. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> I was thinking about what I could do to illustrate clinging. And I thought about this couple and how much they love one another and how this is just a, a demonstration of their faithfulness to one another. They, they cling to one another. They cleave to one another. And that's why they've made it almost 49 years. Amen? And so uh, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. We love you. <laughs> but cling, cling rep. See if I can help you here. <laughs> I'm going to get like things on my door, nasty hate letters. No, not really. We love you guys. Thank you guys. Give these guys a hand. Aren't they beautiful? I'll send a thousand apologies in the mail. But we love Brother Ron and Miss Storrs. And, uh, the number one thing you can give God this Christmas is faithfulness. And Brother Ron uh, teaches a lot on faith. And, uh, and their group is called Faith That Works. And I was thinking about that. That if we would just understand faithfulness. And that as we have a, you know, a couple, we just, just kind of embarrassed a little bit this morning because we love them so much. But just an example of what it takes to cling together. An example of what faithfulness really looks like. And God in heaven, the thing that He says, I desire most from you, things, something you can give me today. While you could give God money and praise and worship, and those things are good. We, we opened up worship and justice last couple of weeks. But God desires faithfulness from us. If there's one thing you can give to God, it's that you would cling to Him. That it would be something that you are bound to Him in. And this relationship of love. And the word cling actually means to hold fast. Your King James probably says that. Uh, it means to hang on, to not depart, to walk in truth with your whole heart. It's like when you become attached to your best friend. It's when you're bound to your kids. It's the same word that says uh, that when you love those, uh, when, you in, when you find out that you love someone and you enjoy spending time with them, probably early on you begin to cling to them. You begin to spend time with them. And so whether you're bound to your kids, you're attached to your best friend, or you're clinging to your spouse, that's the word here. God is saying, if you would just cling to me, cling to me. And because the God of heaven and earth has heard our cry, he sent his son who was born to die for our sins because he's good, because he chose to love us, because he adopted us as his own children. How about we cling to him today? Somebody say amen. amen. Let's get closer to God. Let's depend on Him. Let's bind ourselves to His Word and be persistently faithful. One of the definitions for cling is to be persistently faithful. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be persistently faithful to God. I'm going to be persistently faithful to God. And that leads me to what is faithfulness. To cling, that, like that cling wrap that would bind us together, uh, stronger than cling wrap. I want to be bound to God. I want to be persistently faithful to Him. And so we're going to look at what Moses was saying. He's saying, if I could just inspire them in who God is, if I could just inspire them in what He has done, they might change how they're living their lives and how they're devoted to Him. So we're going to look at those three things. We're going to inspire ourselves in who God is, in what He has done for us, and discover how uh, we might be persistently faithful. 
Uh, maybe you had a relationship that was a little clingy when you were dating or engaged. That's not what I'm talking about today. Uh, but God would love for you to be a little clingy this Christmas season. Just to hold on to every word He says. Just to be uh, involved in, in a loving relationship with Him. It means faithful. The word faithful means full of faith. It means true to your word. It means being steady and loyal. It means being constant and reliable, trustworthy. How many of us can God say, now we can say that of a God pretty easily, but how many uh, can God say that's my relationship uh, from them? That, oh yeah, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or that, that young man or that young woman, man, they are, they are devoted to me. They're true to my word. They're steady. They're loyal. And when I call them, they're reliable. Or that person, when, I'm, when I need to use them, they're consistent. Because that's the relationship God is calling. He's saying, I want to know someone uh, personally who's going to be consistent with me. I want to know someone personally who's going to be reliable and to the things that I've called them to do and, and are putting into their life. And it means a long, constant, loyal, stable, dependable devotion to someone. Faithfulness, that's what it means. It means a long, constant, loyal stable, dependable devotion to someone. That's what it takes to be married almost 50 years. And that's what it takes to make it to the end of your life for Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. It's this, this long-lasting, constant, loyal, stable, dependable devotion to Christ. The word faithful. We think about persistently faithful. I love that because I think we talk about the word faithfulness and we just kind of say it as a word and and it just kind of becomes this thing. But if we add the word persistently faithful, which means to cling, persistently faithful leads us to some verses in Luke. Uh, in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, we get the, the story of the persistent widow who just wouldn't let that judge go. She just kept uh, egging him on and asking and asking and begging for justice in her case. And Jesus uh, says, this is the kind of persistent faithfulness that I'll be looking for when I return. I'll be looking for those when Jesus comes back again. He says, I'm looking for those who are going to be persistently faithful with me, who are who are in this consistent, long lasting, stable relationship with me, who who have cling to me in my word. It's those who continue to seek after him and do his will. You know, in Revelation chapter two, it's the same type of faith. He challenges the uh, church of Thyatira. Who, who is he saying, man, I, I'm, I see that your church is doing great, but I see in your church there's there's this compromise with the things of the world. There are those that are uh, are going into sexual immorality or or following the pleasures after this world. And then they come into church and they're trying to please me. That's not the kind of relationship I want. So he goes and he says, go back and hold fast or cling to the things that you had before, those things of loyalty and and love. And, and he says, faithfulness faithfulness. Hold fast to your love, your faith, your service, and be willing to patiently endure for Jesus Christ's second coming. I want us to get to a place in our life where we recognize I don't want to be a part of a religion that's self-indulgent. I don't want to be a part of a religion that's self-centered, or I don't want to have a life that's self-centered. I don't want to be holding on to the pleasures of this world at the same time, time trying to please God. I want to live a life that's holding fast to a God who's held fast for me. I want to live a life that's faithful to a God who's been faithful for me. And just like you have this marriage relationship, one spouse can be faithful, but it really doesn't work if both spouses aren't faithful, right? And one can and do all that they can to keep the relationship together and be faithful and steadfast and pray, but it really takes the other one too. 
And your relationship with God is no different. God is going to do everything He can to be faithful to you. But that should inspire us to be faithful back to Him. Somebody say amen. You with me this morning? Hold fast, cling, be faithful. What does it look like in your life to be faithful today? And how do you become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? Moses knew that's just what he needed to show him. He needed to show him who God was and what he had done for them so they would change how they would live their life for God. So let's look at this. Faithful to who? Let's talk about the who today. Who is he? Moses takes him and look at verse 20 in Deuteronomy chapter 10. He says, fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. He's talking about who he is. He, he told it right before this. He says, There's, he's mighty God. He makes the heavens. He makes the earth. And last night, man, we had a huge thunderstorm. I was thinking about this, this verse about how God makes the heavens and the earth. And man, uh, there's this huge thunder that just shook my house. And I thought, that's like the voice of God. That's why Israel knew him. They heard thunder and voice and flashes and lightning and saw God's presence on the Mount Sinai. And just to think who he is. That if, if I would have walked out that night, last night in rain and lightning and, and the thunder, it would have been a little bit scary, right? And there's something to be said about who God is. We can't just, we put Him in a little box, we put Him in a little manger scene, and we think, oh, that's just a little baby Jesus. But He is God. He made the heavens and the earth, the stars. He counts them, knows them by name. He, he puts the devil in his pit at the end of time. I mean, this guy makes everything. He knows everything. He's all powerful. And if he wanted to just be poof, we'd be gone. And so Moses reminds him, he says, don't you forget this God, he shakes the foundations of the earth, that the earth shakes and trembles at the name of the Lord. And so he reminds him, and what does that do? You know, you can love someone, but think they're a scary dude. You know, like Joe here, Joe, Joe's a pretty big guy. I love Joe, but I wouldn't want to cross him. You know, like you can, you can love someone and think, man, I wouldn't want to cross that person, all right? Uh, uh, or, and you could think the same way when you're devoted to your spouse. Uh, you can fear disappointing them. This love-fear thing is not really uh, anti-one another. So he says, hey, this, this fear thing, to know God, man, it's to always remember God's right. Amen? To know God is to always remember He's right. It's to fear disappointing Him. I fear walking out of the love of God. I know that hell awaits me. If I walk out of the hands of the Almighty God, I, I, I fearfully want to stay in His hands. And Moses is reminding them about this. He's like, you can't just do with whatever you want with God. You can't just push Him around. You can't just say, this is how I'm going to live and this is how I'm going to think. This is how I'm going to act and just think you're going to get away with it. No, God is a holy and awesome God. And so we've got to remind ourselves that. And he says, you know what? That fear, because he says, fear the Lord and worship Him and cling to Him. Why does he put cling and fear in the same verse? Why does he put faithfulness and fear in the same verse? Because that holy fear, it's not an unhealthy fear that God's just this God up in heaven going to beat me over the head. But we can go too far the other way and think he's all this. He's all love and rainbows and teddy bears. But God is a holy and righteous and just God. And he says, I want you to understand you've got to be fearful to him, but be faithful to him too. And that holy fear keeps me faithful. Fearing in my relationship with my wife, uh, you know, that fear that I don't want to break up this covenant. I don't want to do anything that would break my marriage. That holy fear keeps me faithful to my wife, right? You understand what I'm saying? Amen? And so he says, this holy fear is going to result in faithfulness. But here's the catch for you and I today, discovering who God is. It doesn't just end there. For Moses and all of them, they're like, oh man, I just saw this holy fire from heaven and thunder and shaking. That's how all they knew God as. 
But you and I today have such a greater revelation of God. While that revelation is still true today, we know a God that who uh, through Jesus Christ, that through even though we know God the Father through Moses and the prophets, we get to know Him better through Jesus Christ. He's not just this holy, fearful God at a distance. He becomes this real personal God. John chapter 1 tells us that this Word of God, this uh, spoken mighty Word of God that quakes and, and makes mountains rise and valleys low and water recede and stop at the right place and the rain fall and the stars in the right place orbiting it all at the right speed and, and all this. That same Word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. The mightiness of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And why? John 1 tells us it's because He wanted to give you a revelation of Himself. He wanted to uh, manifest the Father's grace and truth. He wanted to show us who really God was and what He had come to do, to know His will and His Word. And so after all, God sends us this Son, His only begotten Son, to reveal who He is so we might know Him and have a new relationship with Him, John 1.18 tells us. And after all, that's His number one desire. It's, in fact, the word faith comes from this, this idea that faith is a response of you and I to a true revelation of who God really is. When I get amazed at who God is, it inspires me to want to be faithful to Him. When I think there's a God who could have just wiped us off and who could have been done with us and who could just start over at any moment, He was willing to put all of His might and His power and His glory and His personality into the Son to come and dwell among us and to bear our sin, despising the shame, and die for us and take our death. I'm amazed that God would even tell us in Isaiah 9, 6 that He would become born of a virgin. He'd be our great King. He would be known to us now. This mighty God would be known to us now. Not just this fearful God, but He would come and we'd call Him Wonderful Counselor now. He'd come and we'd call Him Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and we'd know Him now as Prince of Peace. You know, this Christmas season, we can just go along with our lives. We can just uh, move on with uh, uh, just being a Christian. Or we can stop and press pause and get amazed and how faithful God is to you and I and who He really is. And how does who God is motivate you to be faithful to Him? Let's look at why. That's faithful to who He's God. He's the Son of God. And we know Jesus as this bridge that becomes our only way to Him. And so He's faithful. We talk about faithful to who. Let's talk about faithful to why. Why am I faithful to this God? Why am I Why am I? wanting to be this person? Why, why do I want to be steadfast and loyal and cling to Him? Moses reminded Israel also what he had done. He said, guys, He took you out of the pit of Egypt. He heard your cry. He delivered you, put you through the, the Red Sea. He, de, he, he put the armies at bay. He fed you with His hand. He gave you water out of a rock. He's provided day by day manna. Thousands and thousands of train loads of manna every day have been just coming from heaven. Can't you just see what God has done for you? In the same way, you and I today need to be reminding ourselves that Jesus Christ has done something so very awesome for us. He came to take on the curse of the law, the Bible says. He came to establish eternal, His eternal kingdom. He came to bring justice and righteousness for everyone who'd repent and have faith in Him. And think, just think about this. He says He was, the Bible says He was born. He lived a sinless life. 
He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He preached good news. He died in our place on a cross. And so that Him alone our sins could be forgiven. He demonstrated power over death by rising from the dead so that uh, His hope would be our hope for a new resurrection. And then He ascends into heaven so that He'll one day return again. Has He done enough for us to be faithful? Amen? Has He done enough to earn our faithfulness? I think when I get into this place in my life when I find out that I'm having problems, uh, you know, like living right, or maybe there's a habit in my life that I need to break, or maybe there's just this blah in my Christian walk that I'm in, I'm just kind of going through the motions. It gets me to this point where I get, have to get on my face before God and I have to say, God, I need a revelation again of who you are and what you've done for us. What did it, what did it really mean that he came to be born to die for us? That he came to bring hope to those who had no hope, to came to bring light, Isaiah says, to those that are walking in the shadow of death and darkness. He came to shine on us, to give us a revelation of God's goodness and mercy and his will for our life. And so how can I not be persistently faithful to a God like that. Yeah, I might fail and falter, but how can I not just keep getting back up again and saying, God, no, you deserve the glory. No, God, you deserve my praise. God, you deserve my finances. God, you deserve my, my heart's cry. God, you deserve my marriage. You deserve my home, my children. God, anything I can give to you. Lord, that's what you deserve. Amen? Somebody say amen this morning. You're with me. Amen. Has he not done enough to earn my faithfulness and devotion? Man, what a God. In a negotiation, a negotiator often tries to make the first step to earn a trust, you know. So what do they do? You know, they have a, let's say they have a bank standoff, right? And that negotiator comes up and he's trying to get to a, a good deal. And what does he do? He normally says, he doesn't ever say the word no. He, he, he uh, identifies with a guy's ad. He tries to, you know, say, oh, I understand where you are. And he tries to make that bridge. You may even send him a pizza in there. You, you watch Hollywood, okay? I don't know how that how it happens, but that's what we watch on TV. And that negotiator makes that first step to earn some trust from that hostage taker, right? He has that, that alliance there. He tries to build that bridge. That's just a little bit of a hint that while we were lost and bound in sin, God kind of makes the first step with us. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, not even wanting to repent, totally unaware that the Son of God would come into the earth, totally unaware that redemption was available, not even seeking it, God said, I made the first step. I sent him. He died for you. He rose again for you. He's coming back for you. How can you, you know, like, and he says, trust me. I'm taking all the risk. Trust me. I'm taking all the risk. He takes the first leap of faith. He becomes faithful first. And so how can I not say, wow, my God. Why didn't I pray today? Why? I want to pray today. Lord, I know that I've got a problem in my life, but God, I just want to rejoice in you today because, Lord, you were faithful first. God, even if I go through all this stuff, I want to be persistently faithful. If we're faithful and we cling to him, it's because you've experienced an awe of who Jesus Christ is. If I counsel this person who's struggling with sin or repeated sin or falling away from God, it's normally because you haven't had a true revelation, this born-again experience, this awareness, or maybe it's gone, that, that flame, that fire has gone dull. They just aren't captivated by Him anymore. And how sad it would be that we'd go through another Christmas not being captivated by who He is, 
and what he's done for us. This is why the righteous live by faith. They live by faith because they are inspired by a God who's been persistently faithful to them. I'm faithful and I cling to God because I experience the awe of who Jesus Christ is. I'm, I can be persistently faithful to Christ because my faith is grounded in that personal revelation, not just of a baby in a manger, but the King of kings and Lord of lords who gave His life to die for me. I'm persistently faithful because God's faithful first. I think about, I'm going to read to you Matthew Henry, just a, a quote here, because perhaps you haven't really tasted how good God is, or perhaps you haven't really gotten a revelation of how He's preserved your life, or maybe you've gotten into a place in your life where you've taken His mercies for granted. I want you to just listen to this for a moment. Matthew Henry wrote this many years ago, a very famous commentator and Bible scholar. He says this, he says, Jesus, the name that refreshes the fainting spirits of humbled sinners. Sweet to speak, sweet to hear. Jesus, a Savior. We know not His riches and not our own poverty. Therefore, we run not to Him. We perceive not that we're lost and perishing. Therefore, a Savior is a word of little relish for us. Were we truly convinced of the huge, massive guilt that lies upon us and the wrath that would hang over us, so ready to befall upon us, it would be our continual thought, is the Savior mine? Is the Savior mine? And oh, that we might find Him so that we would trample on anything and all that would hinder our way to Him. That my thought this Christmas would be, oh man, is Jesus mine? That Jesus, that, that one, that name that refreshes fainting spirits, that, that one that is sweet to speak and sweet to hear, Jesus, a Savior. May He be mine. And the glory of God. And we get a true revelation of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. It's going to be so easy to cling to Him. Faithfulness is simply to put complete trust and confidence in God and never let go. And the question today is simply this. Why shouldn't I be more devoted to Jesus Christ? Why shouldn't I get more into loving Him? Why shouldn't I get more into studying His Word? Why shouldn't I get more into spending time with Him in prayer? What hinders me? And what keeps me from clinging to Jesus when trouble comes in my life and, and things get rough and, and, you know, that's the relationships in my life or the finances in my life or the emotional stress of this world or maybe it's a physical problem in my body. What is keeping me from just clinging and holding on and saying, Jesus, Jesus, sweetest name I know, that He's all I need. We can sing all those old hymns together. But He's something that is worth holding on to. Today, more now than any time, perhaps in the history of the world, have we seen this fluctuation of, especially in the American church, of people who are in and people who are out. People who are in and people who are out. And the thing we lack so much in the church today is faithfulness. Persistence to be clinging on to God and saying, God, nothing is going to keep me from holding on to Jesus. Somebody say amen. Nothing. It's not going to be a person. It's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a situation. It's not going to be a circumstance. It's not going to be a have or have not. There's no condition to my relationship to holding on to Jesus Christ. I simply am faithful to a God who's been faithful to me. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Have I had that revelation of who He is and what He's done for me? Let me give you five real quick things before we close today of how. So we got the faithful who, the faithful what, who He is, what He's done. Now, how does that respond in my heart? How do I respond to that? You know, faithfulness, in a sense, if you go back to the Greek, it actually comes back from a word that is a responding to or, or inferring that it's the arms of a parent. My daughter trusts me probably more than she should to always catch her when she jumps off of things, right? And so, and you're young, you have young kids, you know that. They, the, the, the arm of the parent, that, that idea is the word faithfulness. That child simply trusts that baby, that newborn uh, that are here today. You know, they just simply trust that parent's arm. That's faithfulness. And in my life, in your life, are we getting to a place and growing in our walk with God, that childlike faith that says, because of who He is, because of what He's done for me, I simply am abandoned to stay in His arms. I simply trust Whatever He puts me through, wherever He takes me, He's always going to be there to catch me. He's always there. And there's nothing like my daughter clinging to me. I, I fear the day that one day there won't be that little daddy-daddy, you know, in the morning, you know, cling to them. They cling to you and they just hold on. And that same word is what God is using today to tell us in this passage. What He really wants from you and I is that we would just run to our Father in heaven and just hold on. You ever want to just do that sometimes? You just hold on. That's the only way you'll make it, church. I know many issues in our community today, many, many issues of people struggling in their finances, people struggling with their children, people struggling in their relationships and marriage. You're not going to make it unless you just hold on. You run to your Father who's been faithful to you and you just don't let go. Amen? Amen. Just don't let go. Five things to inspire you today to not let go to God is number one. There are five things you can give. How can you be faithful to God? Number one is I can be faithful with all my heart and all my soul. Deuteronomy ten twelve. That's what Moses said. He's just with all your heart, with all your soul, just cling to Him. That means my devotion doesn't just come from my body of works, my religious works, but it comes from my spirit. It comes because I've got a new life within me, birthed by the Holy Spirit, and I can say in my heart to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That, that with all my heart means I'm growing in this unreserved, abounding, persevering, a, a live or die kind of a life that I'm going to be devoted to Christ come what may because I feel Him right here. Anybody with me today? You feel Him right here. You know He's there. He's real. And with all your heart, you say, I love Jesus. That's the first step. Number two, you can be faithful how? By placing yourself under kingdom authority. This means uh, being, uh, being willing to give up my life, my, my wants, maybe my desires, my dreams, my ambitions, even my needs to submit to the authority of His Word. That means if I read the Bible and it says, uh, turn the other cheek, that that's what it says. And I live a most prosperous, healthy life when I do what He says. Or if it means love your neighbor as yourself, that's what He says, then that's what I do. If He says, give your possessions and sell to the poor, that's what, he, that's what leads me to that kingdom authority. And so I'd be faithful to Him by dying to my sin, by dying to myself, and by dying to the society of this world. It means just living under and trusting His kingdom authority. Number three, I'm faithful how? It's by advancing His kingdom interests among others. You know, in these 
lot of people would want just pastor, just tell me the quick fix. Tell me, tell me just I can go to church. I can read my Bible. I can pray a little bit. I can give in tithes and I can and, I can, and I'll be a good Christian. That's not what God's asking. It's so much more than that. He's saying, give me your whole heart. Give yourself to me under my authority. And number three, advance my kingdom interests among others. It means being devoted to his mission. You think about Peter and Andrew and James and John that left their nets to follow Christ, that he was worth giving it all up for. It means that my finances, my job, it means my hobbies, my earthly responsibilities are second to his interests. His needs, His wants. Just like in that marriage, that faithful relationship that takes 50 years to get to, you learn to give up some things for the sake of the other person. And in my faithful relationship with Jesus Christ, it means my job is second to what God wants. My needs are second to what God wants. If you want to make it that long in your marriage, that's what you got to do. I'm second to this person. And when it comes to my relationship with God, if you want to make it faithfully to the very end when Jesus comes back or He calls you home, you have to live a life that says, God, my job is second to You. My finances are second to You. My life, my family, Lord, is even second to You. That everything I have in this place, in this earth, all my earthly responsibilities are second to You, Lord, and what You like, Your mission. It means no longer to seek my interests but the interests of Jesus. Can I say that of my life today? Can I say, Lord, my interests are your interests. What do you like to do? This goes back to that present. What does he like to do? What does he like to be? He loves to save the world. He loves to hang out with people. He loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He loves to seek and save the lost. My interests be his interests. Number four, how do I be faithful? How? It's number four, by being zealous for good deeds with a cheerful heart. You know what it means? It means I'm faithfully devoted, clinging to Christ. That means it's going to be evident in my life by how I love God and love others. It means that when I get to those places, I've got to do all things for the glory of God. That, man, I count it all joy and suffering. I bear crosses willingly, and I want to work worthy of what He's done for me. Zealous. Just like it says in Isaiah chapter 9, that the zealousness, the zeal of the Lord of hosts came to be born to die for me, that me and my zealousness, my passions, my enthusiasm would be just to hang out with God and do what He wants me to do. Number five, and close with this. How do I be faithful? It's by prayerfully and constantly abiding with Him. I'm fickle by nature. I don't know about you. We like some things for a season, and then we don't like them for a season. We're, we, we, we're into this, and then we move on. We're into this. You got this toy, then you move on to that toy. And then you had these friends, some of us, and then we moved on to these friends. You know, and just their seasons come and seasons go, and that's how we are. We're fickle. But God's faithful. And I want to be faithful to Him. And I do that by prayerfully and constantly abiding with Him. It's the true faithfulness. You see, it comes... Scripture says in Galatians chapter 5 that faithfulness is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? It's this amazing reality. The more time I spend with the Holy Spirit, the more faithful I'll be to Jesus Christ. The more time I spend in prayer, the more faithful I'll be to God. The more faithful I am, the more faithful I'll be. And it doesn't just happen. You don't just get saved and just become faithful. It comes where I say, Lord, I give up and I just want to pursue you. And I'm just going to be faithful to you. As I spend time in prayer, 
abiding with Him in the Holy Spirit, faithfulness is a product of God Himself living in me. Because when I fall short and I'm not faithful, as I allow the Holy Spirit to take hold of me and take ownership of me, He'll help me to be faithful. Isn't that amazing? That when I can't be faithful, God is faithful to Himself through me. It's an amazing thing that God so loves you and I, makes it so very easy when you are gonna feel like you're going to fall short because you're trying your hardest in your marriage and you're trying your hardest in your finances and you're trying in your hardest to pray and to read your Word just to keep going, just to keep that positive attitude, just to stay healthy and vibrant in the stress and craziness of this world. You're going to fail. You're going to falter. But he says, if you would just be faithful just to hang out with me, just to be with me, I'll help you be faithful. I'll be faithful through you. And so... What do I have to do? I simply just hang out with Him. The best gift you can give God this Christmas is simply hang out with Him. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? I want to be persistently faithful, clinging and holding fast to a God who held fast for me. What can you give a God who has everything? He simply wants to be with you. And by doing so, you'll not regret it. He promises eternal life, unimaginable blessing. But the simple question is this today. Did Jesus coming to earth and dying for your sins, did He gain your trust? Has He gained your trust? Has He earned your devotion? Has He done enough that He would be worthy of your loyalty? Has He done enough that He has the right to ask anything of you? And can Jesus say of you today, I can rely on you? Can Jesus say of you today, I, I know that person clings to me. I, I, can, I can call on that person. Are you in a stable, dependable, lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ, holding fast, in clinging to His Word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody moving or looking around, let's just respond to the Holy Spirit today.